0: Welcome to FC Hockey, the podcast. Bringing you closer to the top names in and around the NHL entry draft than ever before. Lou,
1: we're here. Welcome to the first installment, first edition, first episode of FC Hockey, the podcast. Bringing you closer to the NHL entry draft and everybody in it, around it, eligible for it, dabbling in it. Welcome to the show, Lou. We're thrilled to have you on as the co-pilot of this thing. And it's definitely some interesting times right now. Definitely time to explore, time to evaluate, time to just anything revolving the NHL draft is something you can sink your teeth into right now, given the fact that there's not much else to do in the sporting world from our perspective. And just thinking about it and not necessarily this year but but as a whole this time of year usually is pretty exciting you've got stanley cup playoffs going on for those that aren't participating you've got nhl draft coverage ramping up and as a a prospect lover as a junior hockey lover what typically would this time look like for you
0: well uh, you know i love the game as you know at all levels and the thing that i always enjoyed maybe right near the top of the list outside of the competition itself is just Aaron, the evaluation. There's nothing I've ever enjoyed much more outside of the games, is to watch young people grow and develop, and in my own way, try and get a feel for who you like and and then follow their journey. That that to me, for whatever reason, you know, maybe I've always wanted to be a, a scout deep down inside, because I've always been fascinated with the player evaluation side of it. So, you know, this time of year would have been um in a normal circumstance, had I been available, I'd have gone on my own dime to Plymouth, Michigan to watch the world under 18. Probably would have ended up at the Memorial Cup as I do most years, watch the Stanley Cup playoffs and um, you know, and even at a radio station, it's been a lot of fun with my dear friend Sam Cosentino every year we get ready for our mock draft. so uh, I do I really really enjoy it.
1: in a sense has this uh, situation for lack of a better term aided in your preparations for things like the U18s Memorial Cup combined to a lesser extent in regards to creating those mock drafts certainly you've got a lot of time on your hands I don't imagine you're filling it with too many different things other than some junior hockey and some draft eligible coverage.
0: Um, You know, I actually probably have a little bit. It's, it's just different. Um, I'm saddened by the fact that I love those events. And I also think from an evaluation standpoint, um, I know we live in a world of analytics and things are very, very different and that's great. The more tools, the better, but Aaron, When I think about player evaluation, I want to watch players when the most is on the line, when it is the most difficult. So when you take those situations away, as we have this year, you know, playoffs, world under 18, which is a big one every year for the draft. You know, some years the Memorial Cup means a little bit more, but To me, there is incredible value in watching people do well when it's the most difficult to be able to do well. So I've really missed having that particular avenue to go down.
1: And it opens up another dialogue as you get closer to the NHL draft. Obviously, these 17-year-olds and 18-year-olds, both in conversation with them and conversation with others about them. It really lends to a conversation that you can get excited about. We don't necessarily have that right now to that certain extent, knowing that we don't have a set draft date. We we do have a set lottery date, but we don't know when the draft will be. We don't know if hockey will come back to a certain degree this summer, although all signs are pointing to the positive at this point. Just how I can't imagine it being from a player perspective, but from from your perspective, how uncertain a time is this
0: well you know I think the older I've gotten and I've spent a lot of time during um COVID and the difference in our world reading which I've never been a big reader um and a lot of the reading has just been about we all have a tendency to we really want to kind of forecast the future or in some cases I know myself it's kind of either Reliving the past, which I've actually enjoyed, actually taking a few moments to think about all the great and lucky and fortunate things that I've been a part of. But the older I get, Aaron, the one place that I'm trying to focus on is today, to be here in the present and then try to be as productive, even when it's difficult to be productive, in today and in the present. And in many ways, isn't that what this? Kind of life change has said to all of us.
1: Yeah, it's interesting you say that. Uh, we'll throw to it in a couple minutes here, but my interview with Jake Neighbors, all about living in the now. Right. Obviously, a lot of uncertainty for him. You know, he went from expecting to be drafted on June 26th or June 27th to the pause and and not knowing when his day will come—a day he's been waiting for for quite some time. But all you can do is take it day by day. Hour by hour, minute by minute, and eventually everything will get all sorted out. Let's go to that conversation now with Jake Neighbors of the Edmonton Oil Kings. Pleased to be joined today on Future Focus with one of the top Western Hockey League prospects for the 2020 NHL Draft, Jake Neighbors. Jake, thanks for joining us today. How are you holding up right now? A little bit uncertainty around the draft and about life in general. How are you doing?
2: Yeah, I'm doing. I'm doing all right. Thanks for having me on. I think uh, you know. Um life here in Calgary is uh is pretty busy, obviously in terms of, you know, kind of an online combine going on and um, you know, trying to stay in a routine in terms of working out and um, you know, staying healthy. So um, you know, I'm doing all right. It's obviously uh not the best times right now, but we're doing good. So
1: yeah. What does day-to-day life look like for you right now? Obviously there's a lot you can do at home, not a lot you're able to do outside of the home. What's uh what's a typical day in Jake Neighbor's life look like?
2: Yeah, usually it's kind of a wake up, have a meal, head over to the spots garage and, um, you know, we have a, a gym set up in their garage there. So, um, you know, we'll hit a, a crash conditioning workout and, um, you know, after that, get a meal in and and do a couple of interviews usually is kind of how the day works. And um, and then after that, it's pretty much free to do whatever. And if, you know, the weather's nice or whatever, we'll go play spike ball or, or football or soccer in the field or something like that. But, Um, You know, for the most part, the morning slash early afternoon is pretty consistent from day to day.
1: How difficult is it in terms of fitness to stay on top of your game? Not only just because of the limitations, like you mentioned, you've got a corner of the garage, but also a little bit of the uncertainty. There's likely not going to be an NHL combine per se, at least in the traditional sense. So the fitness testing isn't necessarily there at the same time, though. You've got a lot of free time to make sure that fitness is ramping up.
2: Yeah, 100 percent, I think you know, you can look at it as either as a disadvantage or an advantage. And I think, you know, obviously we have a lot of free time and to do stuff that, you know, we can improve upon in our game and, um, you know, do lots of training. So, you know, we've been very fortunate that Crash has hooked us up with some gear to put in Aussie's garage and, um, you know, we're able to do pretty much full workouts there. And, um, you know, we do a lot of sprinting in the fields and and things like that. So, um, you know, obviously a lot of free time to to get some stuff done that, um, you know, maybe you wouldn't have in, in a normal summer. So, Uh, maybe a little bit of extra development going on
1: you mentioned a little bit of free time free time to talk to NHL teams as well as I understand it there are NHL clubs reaching out on zoom scheduling meetings what's that process been like for you
2: yeah it's been really interesting for sure I think you know no other players ever really gone through it like this and it's kind of a first experience for you know me and obviously some of my buddies so um, you know it's been really interesting to get onto calls and Um, you know get to talk to teams and and do your normal interviews that you would do at the combine it's just you know obviously unfortunately you don't get to meet some of them in person and and shake their hands and really introduce yourself so um you know it's it's been good for sure and been busy and talked to lots of teams and um it's been productive but um just sucks that we don't get to do it in person in buffalo so
1: from a mental standpoint how tough has this stretch been in regards to the nhl draft always rumors floating around The, the talk was early june uh, the rumors that'll just be the original date. And of course there's rumors that'll come after the conclusion of the NHL season with all that uncertainty, what's it like for a draft eligible, just looking to have his day and find his team.
2: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, like you said, you mentioned a couple of times it's I think it's just the biggest word to, to use is uncertainty. I think, uh, you know, as a player, if we could pick, I think we'd have the draft tomorrow, but um, you know, we, we don't really get that option or that choice. So, um, you know, we're just excited and looking forward to whenever the day may come and, um, you know, we've worked hard for, you know, numerous amounts of years to to get to this point in our lives and in our hockey careers. So, um, you know, we're we're patiently waiting for the day that, you know, we can really accomplish our dream, um, you know, that we set out to do as a kid. So, um, you know, I'm just I'm super excited for that moment whenever it may come. And, um, you know, just trying to stay patient and, and wait for that day because I know it's going to be special.
1: And you said the word patience a couple of times in that answer. How tough is it? Because it's almost like Christmas Eve with a Christmas that doesn't come for you at this moment. <laughs>
2: Yeah, for sure. I think it it definitely is hard. And I think, uh, you know, it'd be a lot easier on us if we had a, a date kind of that, um, you know, we could set our set our eyes on and, and look forward to. But, you know, as of right now, we don't really know what that is. So, yeah, there's a little bit of, of frustration going in there for sure that we just don't know when it's going to happen. But, you know, like I said, that accomplishment, whenever it may happen at the end of the day is second to none. So um, we're just excited for the day to come. Your season obviously uh, halted abruptly, didn't get to the
1: completion, but 23 goals, 70 points. Just reflecting back on your season with the Oil Kings, what did you like and where did you see the areas you you still feel like you need to improve?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, over the season, I think being a second year player, obviously I'm a lot more comfortable in the league. And, um, you know, that helps out tremendously in terms of uh, improving my game and my production. And, um, you know, I was very happy with my season in terms of being a very consistent player for the most part. Um, you know, I thought my consistency was one of my strong aspects this year. And, um, you know, obviously there's tons of things you can improve on as a player and everything needs improvement. But um, two things that I kind of, you know, I'm focusing on this summer and in the, the offseason is kind of my explosiveness, my first three strides coming out of the gate, I'm trying to excel at the top speed quicker. And, um, you know, another thing is adding a bit more of a goal scoring touch and and having both playmaking and goal scoring as a threat in my game. And I think right now I'm a little more of a playmaker and I want to add that that goal scoring edge to it as well.
1: Yeah, you kind of touched on it there, but if you were to sort of self-assess, give the scouting a report on, on Jake Neighbors, are those some of the elements that, that you'd include at the top of the list?
2: Yeah, I think I'm a 200-foot player who plays in every situation for Edmonton, and um, I think the biggest thing about my game is the the physicality and the and the skill combo that I have, and I think I bring that package of being a player who can, you know, block shots, um, lay multiple hits in a game, but at the same time, be a guy who's going to score a goal and and get an assist for you. So. Um, I think, you know, I bring, you know, both edges to, to my game in terms of being a physical and a grinder type player, but at the same time having the skill to, you know, make plays and produce offense for my team. So I think that's an a, important package and it's very valuable. And uh, that's how I would describe myself.
1: Off the ice, you got some talent too. And, and in particular, I'm talking about your ability to use sign language. Just tell me a little bit about the process of learning and the reasoning behind it.
2: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, kind of the, the reasoning behind it is, you know, I became really good friends with Ozzy Weisblatt my 15-year-old year, um, playing for the Calgary Midget A Buffaloes, and, um, you know, me and Ozzy became really, really close, super fast, and, um, you know, I found myself at his house lots, and, um, you know, I just took it upon myself to learn sign language, because it just makes things a lot easier if I'm able to communicate with their mom, um, you know, without them being around all the time, so um, it's definitely something I take pride in, and I'm very proud of in myself, and you know the process uh you know it's a little bit difficult and I'm still kind of picking up on some things but I um, you know, for the most part I can hold the conversation pretty well.
1: Yeah take me through the initial stages of that and, and the decision obviously you mentioned Ozzy's mom but to actually take the initiative to go and do it and and did, was it just a situation where you where sat down and said, I might as well do this like what what, what do I got to lose?
2: Yeah I think uh for sure I think me and Ozzy spent a lot of time together and um, you know, it was something that, you know, he didn't really mind doing in terms of teaching me. And, um, you know, we had nothing else to do. So I, I just listened and, you know, like long bus trips to Grand Prairie and Midget and things like that. I would just sit there for hours and, um, you know, learn my ABCs or whatever it may be. So um, I think that's kind of the first step is the ABCs. And then you move on to, to more things like words and, um, you know, putting together long sentences and doing it, um, you know, fast. So, um, but as of right now, I'm, I'm not quite to that stage. I'm still learning. So, but it's been good.
1: Right on. Jake, really appreciate your time today and good luck as we inch slowly towards the 2020 NHL draft.
2: Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on today.
1: Lou, one of my big takeaways in, in that conversation with Jake Neighbors is the uncertainty around the NHL draft from a bit of a different perspective. You get, you get the players look at it. You get the prospects look who's been waiting for this day for 18 years. <laughs> and... You still got to wait just a little bit longer. It's not the June 26th. It's not the June 27th that you've been eyeing all calendar year. Now suddenly it can be September, October, November. You you just don't know. But one thing we do know is that the process will start June 26th with phase one of the NHL draft lottery, seven-team draw, but also in a sense a 15-team draw. Very interesting approach by the NHL, I, I would say. I know you have a little bit of an interesting take on it. How are you enjoying the way the NHL is going about the draft lottery?
0: Well, the one thing I've said, whether it's on a radio station or on any other forum, is I'm not going to be critical during these circumstances. Um, So I'm not judging based on what they've done. Um, The one thing I would say, and I know a couple of other key people in hockey feel the same way, I think this is an interesting scenario where you've got the 24 in and the seven out with no chance. I would be more than okay on a regular year, even to cut it from 15 back to seven or eight as far as who could end up with the number one pick. Yes, I like the lottery for me personally. I don't think it needs to go down the ladder as far as it is in order to enhance those teams opportunities to get high, high picks. I do think there needs to be, if you want to go five, seven, eight, whatever that number. So for this year, Aaron, it would have been just a okay for me if they said on June the 26th, we're going to determine who's picking one Through seven. I understand why the other teams in the process and why they had to do it the way they did because it wouldn't have been fair. The teams went into the season under completely different circumstances. So, yes, I'm okay with what they've arrived at. B, going forward, I'd be okay if it was just a five, seven, or eight team lottery, if that makes sense.
1: And and for the sake of consistency, I almost appreciate the approach that they're taking this year in giving 15 teams a chance. Now, it gets interesting because eight of those teams will also have a chance to advance to the playoffs, but they'll also, failing that, have a chance to have the first overall pick and, and the luxury of drafting Alexei Lafreniere. It's a very interesting wrinkle, and I understand why you do it for teams like the Montreal Canadiens And the Chicago Blackhawks organizations that think perhaps they have a better shot at a lottery pick as opposed to advancing either beyond the play-in or further down the Stanley Cup playoffs. And let's not make any any bones about it: hockey players want to win the Stanley Cup. They don't want to win the first overall pick. But from an organizational standpoint, I could see teams having the argument of we're closer to getting that number one pick than we are to hoisting the Stanley Cup. From an organizational perspective. I would prefer to be in the lottery. So I think it's a fair compromise, but where it gets really interesting is if you run into a situation where perhaps it's the Pittsburgh Penguins that fail to advance or the Edmonton Oilers that fail to advance. And suddenly you could add somebody like a Lafreniere or a Byfield, a Stussela to your organization. Then I think some eyebrows get raised a little
0: bit. You know, what's funny, AV, as we talk this out a little bit more, If you were one of the top 16 teams, regardless, I don't think you should have an opportunity to have the number one pick. That's probably what I would say because, you know, by changing it, we've already changed it, right? So it's not normal. Listen, like what a bonus it is when you think about it. Now you get playoff type experience you could still land the number one pick so you get your cake and eat it too I'm not sure I'm the more I just talk it out with you for me it might have been more fair the other way but it's still fair because there is no perfect solution and like you I think they've done the best with what they've had to work
1: Well, and if you you think back and the draft lottery system has only been in place as it stands now for the past couple of years, you go back a little further and you win the draft lottery, you only jump up X number of spots. So to to go back to your, okay, well, maybe if only the bottom seven should have an opportunity to have that number one pick, maybe you look at a lottery system where, okay, you win the lottery, you can only advance seven spots up to protect some of that. It's a very interesting conversation and one of several topics you touched on with Todd Button of the Calgary Flames. Let's go to Todd.
0: It is our absolute pleasure to welcome the Calgary Flames Director of Amateur Scouting, and he has been now for a number of years, Todd Button. And Todd, when I think about the world changing and certain jobs that just went from a thousand miles an hour to now your job and the job of scouts would be one of them. How have you done during what's been an incredibly different time for all of us?
3: Well, for sure, it's a different time. It's, all, it's really surreal, everything that's happening right now. But, uh, you know, we stopped on a dime. you <laughs> just came to a, a screeching halt, and it was probably the time of year where you're the most busiest as well. You're trying to get all your, you know, see the rest of the players, various tournaments coming up, travel to Europe. So, um in that re- in that respect, uh, the work is obviously still gonna get done f- through different mediums, but uh, the in live stuff and when it happened and you're at home and at first, I was like, okay, this is gonna be two, three weeks, and we' be back at it and it's, uh, here we are in uh, you know today's June first, and uh, we're still doing it the same way. and uh, hopefully uh, you know we keep uh, getting better and better and uh, everything uh, worldwide uh, starts opening up again and That goes for everything that's happening in the world today. It's, uh, it's, It's just crazy right now.
0: Now, and I think even during the time frame that we originally thought about for you and all NHL staffs, it looked like there was a massive push on for potentially early June. So that obviously isn't the case. You do have at least a draft lottery date of June 26th. Does that make it any different, any more real? How would you categorize that for you and your staff?
3: Yeah, well, at first at first it was, uh, okay, you know, we, we put our plan in place, what we're going to do video-wise, what we're going to do background-wise, what we're going to do as far as uh, combine and gathering the information. So the good stuff with that was there was um, – we had a lot of time on our hands as far as now you're not traveling, right? Now you're not getting planes for five hours a day. So we had time to dig into that process, and we had time to um, – uh, Refine it and do exactly what we wanted to do, and set protocols for all our video and background work. Um, that being said, um, you know you still when the, the NHL said, "Hey, we might be uh, doing the uh, the draft in early June," well, that cut off three weeks. So basically, what we did was we were going to proceed as we usually do with our main meetings via via Zoom and uh, via conference, and then we were going to uh, proceed like that. So. From a work perspective, it was different work. We still got all the work done, and uh, once uh, we determined or it was determined that you know it wasn't going to be an early June draft, um, you know, we kept on going, did our meetings, did our interviews, we're still in the process of that. And now it's like, oh my gosh, now we we have so much time on our hands, but we wanted to get the work done. So, getting the work done is most important, right? You don't want to put it off and keep putting it off and keep putting it off. So, uh We were very diligent in getting our work done and uh, we still have some things to do, especially uh, as it relates to uh, interviews, but we're on track to get everything done, you know, easily by the end of June.
0: Todd, so different and some key times missed, no playoffs, Uh, the under 18, which was set for Plymouth, Michigan. That's always a pretty big one on the calendar. No combine. Um, How do you feel about having to do the work very differently without some of those key components
3: well it was a challenge for sure it's still a challenging but it's good it makes you think different ways or try and come up with different ways to uh, to conquer whatever your, your issues are you can't just say oh poor us you know we don't have this we don't have that so um obviously the video supplement is is very helpful having all the video that we have we have like this happens 10 years ago you don't have access to as much video um, for us for the Calgary flames we have a lot of resources at our disposal you know, the, the owner ownership management, they give us a lot of tools to do our jobs. But so we have, uh, I believe a really good staff, a committed staff, and uh, we have a lot of staff in areas that other people don't have. So thankfully for them and the job these guys have done, I think we'll be fine and we won't have as much crossover viewings. And for sure, you know how it is. You want to see these kids perform in the in the pressure at the highest highest point of the season, but uh, it's going to be equal for everybody. And I think over a two year span, especially when you're talking about the top 30, 40 guys, it, in this draft. You've seen them in uh, under 18s last year. You've seen them in world Juniors, So that's not going to be as big of an issue. Maybe as it gets down the road, it might be, but I think we've got uh, enough information to, to go forward.
0: How about actually meeting with your staff? Because there'd be no way, unless you've been a part of that, to know how different that would be. You guys, I'm sure you've had to do what you've had to do, but you must miss some of the opportunities to do it together as a group. Oh,
3: absolutely. Uh, the one-on-ones, the, uh, the face-to-face meetings, the, the banter, everything that goes with it. I think that's for everybody. Like you, you miss human contact almost in here, right? Like I love my family and everything, but they're the only people that I'm around, right? So for sure, if uh, you, you wanna be around and you wanna see facial reactions, uh, we've had plenty of uh, our video meetings and uh, you know the guys like it better, they can mute me. I don't know, but, uh, <laughs> but otherwise you, you just, you you go forward. Like these are the, that's what's in place right now. There's no excuses. We just got to keep going. And uh, like you said, I think it's the same for everybody in the world. Like you want to see people, you want to talk, you want to interact, you want to be at restaurants, social events. So it's, uh, it's been difficult, but it's not been uh, anything uh, like some people have to do.
0: Todd, how about dealing with the kids? I mean, so much of that work in the past would get done at the Combine, at least not all of it, but a good chunk of it, have you found it to be very different in terms of their responses maybe in a more comfortable setting rather than having to look at key NHL people face-to-face?
3: Um, well, first of all, so everybody, every player on our list gets interviewed by our yes. scouts during the course of the season, one-on-one, one, whether it's a lunch or dinner, or just uh, whatever the case may be. So. So that part hasn't been missed. Uh, Matt Brown, our mental trainer, has been able to do uh, one-on-ones with every player uh, on our uh, primary list at this point. Um, So that part hasn't been missed. So the the interaction, the sitting in a small suite in uh, Buffalo Arena and interviewing these kids, that's been missed. So we're trying to do it on Zoom. And uh, I can't tell you how the kids feel, whether they feel more comfortable sitting in their house doing it, but uh, for us, for sure, it's different because – Again, it's it's human interaction. It's talking to a guy. It's breathing in the same air. It's being around the facial expressions, right? It's it's banter. It's uh, it's trying to make a kid relax. So it's different in that respect. But I think when you have a guy like Matt Brown with his experience, I think I think we're good to go. And I think we've done them individually, and we're going to do them as group as a group. So I don't think we're going to miss anything. But again, it's you're we're people, people, right? Like we want to be around people. We want to talk to people. You like being in the room. You know how it is. You go to a game day skate and all the people are sitting there, in the media, the, you talk to the coaches. It's that banter you miss more than anything. But as far as the evaluation goes, we're not going to miss anything on the evaluation.
0: Todd, um, along those lines, if I was to ask you, do the Calgary Flames have what you would refer to as a scouting profile? Um, how would you best answer that? Uh, for each player, or just whether it's a scouting player personnel philosophy, um, what, what you really look for, and I know there's kind of different categories and how you might, but I'll start there and and we'll go from there.
3: Yeah, no, we we grade out on uh, I think the same things uh, that, that every team does you know, hockey sense, skill, skating, um, competitiveness. Uh, we we want to in the end of the day, we want to make sure that the guys we're bringing in the organization have uh, hockey sense, skill, compete. We think skating is an area that can be improved, not always, but it can be improved with work and strength training. And that is probably one of the hardest areas to evaluate. But uh, those are the, for us, those are the four key areas right there. And uh, you break them down further, obviously. You break hockey sense into more than just um, smarts or vision or whatever. Everybody's got a different definition. We have honed in definitions on hockey sense skills, skating by position. We have it by player type. Um, so I think we, we definitely have a, a, a player profile. It's uh, um, something that we feel that you need to have in order for everybody to be on the same page. So if uh, Bobby Hagelin in Sweden is talking about hockey sense on a conference call and Rob Sumner's in Seattle, they know what the they know what the
0: definition is and how we're defining it and what it means to each player. How about the the players as people? In your time, has that become even more valuable in terms of kind of establishing that kind of profile, not on the ice, but off the ice as well, Todd?
3: Absolutely. The psychological profile is very important. And it's not just important in determining which players you might wanna pick in the draft or acquire via trade or free agency down there. It's also important that you, you might find something out about a kid that uh, is alarming or could help them down the road, right? So um, there's so much more going on now in the world with uh, mental training and mental toughness and uh, um, all the anxieties that uh, this generation is facing and all the things you go through day to day, right? So it's not a it's not a judgment of players, but it's, hey, Here's the information we can gather, and how can we help this kid if we bring him into the fold?
0: All things considered, how new things are—not new, but how different. Um, how are you feeling about this particular draft?
3: I think it's—I think it's a really good draft, and I, I say that every year because I love the draft, and <laughs> obviously it's my job, right? But uh, it, it's a good draft, and uh, I think. Uh, um, I wish it was sooner. Obviously, I it's going to have to wait till whenever it is in the fall to do it. But uh, and there's no games to go to, so it's just more and more video and trying to figure out what you what you have and what you don't have and what you might need. And uh, but as far as the draft and the talent level, I think it's uh, I think it's a good draft. Again, we got a we got a goalie that's probably a, it's going to be a first rounder. You got at the top, you got tons of uh, high end forwards, and then you got a two or three really high end defensemen. And then as it as it goes on, as you get to the the 30s and the 40s and the 50s. It evens out as far as a lot more defensemen come into play, but I also think that defensemen are harder to evaluate. It's just a hard position to evaluate kids seventeen years old, and their whole situation has to be taken into effect. Are they on a good team? Are they in a bad team? What situations are they playing on? Are they sheltered? Those kind of minutes. So from a, a scouting perspective, again, I talked about experience of our of our scouting staff, or I talked about analytics. Uh, uh, video. You can you can get a lot of information over the course of the season to, to help you with those decisions. But as far as the draft goes, it's going to be a good one. It's an exciting one. And I look forward to getting some really uh, exciting young prospects in the uh, Calgary Flames fold.
0: Todd, because it's uh, always been a massive interest of mine as far as evaluation. And I, I don't think people, A, understand, A, the work sometimes. But B, the fascinating for, thing for me is every draft there's going to be groupings of players now i'm not asking for any trade secrets but when you look at this draft maybe even first round second round hard groupings easy or somewhere in the middle
3: uh it's always hard it's i think it's all right hard because right y- you you want to where you like you might have three out of six guys that fit into one grouping very easily and it's a top three or whatever right but then when it it starts to meld, those groupings start melding, then it gets a little, a little bit harder. Does this guy go up into a higher grouping or a little bit lower? So um, I think right now we've got, uh, I think three three distinct sets in the first round. And after after that, it gets uh, it gets a little bit wider. But the other thing about that too, Pete, is that uh, um, it's exciting to try, and, it's the hardest part of the job, it's the exciting part of the job, to take, uh, say, seven guys in a group And it could be all distinct players, different types of players, defensemen, forward, skilled, big, big defensive, bulky, bruising defensemen. How do you separate those guys? Because they're not the same type of player, the same NHL rating. So that's the hardest part of our job. And sometimes you you look and you, you draft a player and you say, boy, you know what? That's a good player. Really happy we got him, but you know, four of those other guys are pretty good too. <laughs> so, but that's the job that like we actually have to pick somebody out of those groups, right. right? When it's our turn, we have to pick somebody. We can't just say we just can't just say, oh no, we're gonna pass or whatever, or take everybody. You have to pick somebody.
0: Um, just because I think it's a fun one to ask you. I know for a fact the general manager of the team, Brad Trelevings, had a little more time on his hands to take a peek at some video. How's 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 that been with him? Maybe being a little bit more active. Uh, it's, it's fine. He understands the process. He's
3: been <laughs> been at this a long time. We got, again, we got an experienced staff. I'll tell you, like time is time on his hand is not his friend. That's for sure. And uh, I feel <laughs> worse for his family than I do for him. But uh, no, he's he's good like that. Like he, he understands. He puts he gives us the job to do, and he puts it in our hands, and he uh, he helps where he needs to help, and uh, he's not a he's not
0: a micromanager
3: by any means. Has there
0: been if I was to ask you, with having to do different, has there been one or two advantages, maybe, that you found by doing this differently?
3: Um, no. I, no, I. I I love being at the rink. I love you yeah. get a lot of information just sitting around. Like I said, sitting around just talking and chatting in the banter in the scouts room or whatever. So watching a guy live, there's no replacement for him. Watching him at a high end tournament, it's a world championship level. There's not you can't replace that. So. Um, You make do with what you have to do, because that's just where we are right now, but uh, I haven't found um, an advantage other other than that uh, now that gas is so cheap, I have nowhere to go.
0: (laughs) Todd, you've been at this a long time, and we talk now, and it seems like it's more in vogue than it's ever about good bloodlines for hockey players, well, the button bloodlines they go a long way back. You've been around it in player evaluation, thanks to your dad, you know your brother Craig um, how, how is there any way to properly address what that's been like for you personally in this journey that you've been on?
3: Well, personally, I think uh, when you when you grow up in the business, and let's not forget my beautiful mom, who's uh, drank from the Stanley Cup with the Toronto Maple Leafs. yes. Um, you know it's uh you, you just you get a feel for what it's like when you're young and nobody grows up wanting to be a scout or a general manager they grow up wanting to play right that's what you want to do you want to be a player first and then you go from there so i think growing up in it um as a player you look at the Kachucks and all those other people that eric nice trimmer we had anybody that's grown up in it, you, you certainly have an advantage because you're inside so growing up in scouting and player evaluation. Um, you take, I took an interest to it. I love the game. My brother took an interest to it. He loved the game. My younger brother's a, a doctor in Pittsburgh. So um, he still loves the game, um, but it's it's different, right? It's uh, it's just you have a little bit of inside look, but you can't – it's not – it's an advantage only if you use it properly, right? And luckily for me, I've had a lot of good bosses over the years. You know, I'll start with David Poyle in Washington. So you end up uh, – who you work with and who you work for and what you learn – Part of that's on your own, part of that circumstance, but uh, it's been
0: it's it's been a blessing, I'll tell you that. Todd, my last two for you are this: Where do you think you've grown the most, and what do you still, to this day, after all the years, hockey? You know, for you, it's been it hasn't been a job; it's been your life. What do you still enjoy the most about what you do? Well, I think that the first part is is
3: easy. It's the player evaluation. It's an ever evolving. It's an ever evolving process and there's no, you, you're never learned at all. You never know it all. So that part for me, the growth is always going to be there. It's finding new ways to do things. It's finding new edges. It's trying to incorporate. Like I looked at where we are now in 2020 with analytics. And like I said, video, what would we have done in 2000, year 2000 with this had happened, right? There's not as much video like thats I think about that a few times too, right? And as far as, uh, I just love being at the rink. I love watching the games. I love. It's, it's an entertainment, it's a job and it's an entertainment for me, but there's nothing like watching these great players play the game. I just love, love watching the best players in the world play, whether they're 17 years old, 19 years old, or once they get to the NHL.
0: Todd, thank you so much. Uh, enjoy your family. I know these have been different times for all of us. And when you're a scout, I know this, you don't get very much time with your family during the course of most years, but we really appreciate it. Stay safe. And, uh, Can't wait till I get to see you again at a rink. Well, thanks for having
3: me, Pete. And uh, you keep healthy out there too. Lou, what struck me
1: most in your conversation with Todd was right at the end there where he mentions, okay, what happens if this situation occurs in the year 2000, as opposed to the year 2020? Video scouting isn't obviously going to be where it is even the teleconferencing, I mean, I'm sure they're dialing into switchboards at that point, as opposed to being able to have a, a video chat. Just from your perspective, how do you even wrap your head around, okay, having a season cut short, no video scouting to sort of complete your portfolio? I mean, it's it's really interesting to think what, what might've happened then.
0: It is, and Aaron, it's funny, because you and I are from two different demographics. And sometimes I'd be the first to tell you, I like to hold on in some ways to the old one. But I still believe, and you heard it from Todd, there's still nothing like being in the rank, evaluating at the rank. I still listen, the tools are all important. We all need to grow, we all need to get better. But what I would say to you is if this was 20 years ago, they wouldn't have those other things to consider. It would just mean, that they'd be on the phone and they'd have to have separate phone conversations instead of bringing us all together in a Zoom call or however you're connecting. Um, But the neat thing was what drives him the most and what he still enjoys about it in 2020, it really hasn't changed. So that would be my best guess is, well, you wouldn't have that other stuff. So you'd go back to relying on what I still think to this day, is what they rely on. The viewings, getting together to talk about it, and going through that part of the process.
1: Certainly leads us into what will be an interesting draft lottery, and eventually, when we find out when the NHL draft actually takes place. Lou, thanks for joining me. We've got our first one in the books. Happy scouting.
0: Yeah, a blast. Thank you. Thanks for listening along. Be sure to keep it locked to FC Hockey so you don't miss the latest news, notes, and interviews featuring the NHL Entry Draft.